Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome to episode 117 of Maximize Your Influence. Steve Olson here, along with Kurt Mortensen. We're both big time overweight. We took the week off last week, didn't produce a show. We figured that you're all American and having Thanksgiving. Uh, that's offensive, right? Yeah, there we go. You just <laughs> offended half our audience right the first minute of the show. So, yeah. hey, check that one off the list. We forced our holiday upon you. For that's the right. international listeners, we apologize. But that's why we took the week off. We hope you didn't miss us too much, but then again, we kind of do hope that. We're glad that you're listening to the show, and we're back and ready to talk about more groundbreaking persuasion techniques for you and cover everything in between. How you feeling, Kurt? Thanksgiving feeling? hangover? Yeah, I ate a lot of food, and for international listeners, since we're forcing this holiday upon you, it's a good holiday of Thanksgiving and gratitude, and, and it all starts with the letter F. Isn't that what they say? Friends, food, family, football, you just relax, watch sports, eat fatty foods, hang out, and be grateful for hanging out and eating fatty foods and everything <laughs> else in your life. And everyone puts on, I don't know what the average is, isn't it? two or three pounds? I mean, probably worse than a cruise, but it was great. Had a good time, hung out with family, really enjoyed it. How's your go? Uh, went good. We went to see the in-laws. Uh, this was oh. the first time traveling with the four kids, and uh, mm. you know, we had the new baby with us. So that was a little bit of a world rocker. Uh, you know, we were very tired. You know, it's <laughs> interesting enough, getting back in the office and working today see, just feels better <laughs> than all that made. It's a little easier than uh, traveling with four kids. Are we yeah. there yet? What's going on? The crying, and of course probably have one kid poking the other kid, and they're blaming each other, and something's going wrong. And yeah, I know the drill. That's why after a while, I think we just quit taking vacations because it's too much work. <laughs> you mean my kids aren't the only ones that poke each other and scream and whine and yell? No, it's universal. I oh, think that's, that's a worldwide phenomenon. Like, really? Can't you just sit there and be quiet? But at least we have the DVD players now and things like that to keep people entertained. I remember growing up, there was nothing. You just sat there looking at the window for hours at a time. I think that increases the poking and the teasing because there's nothing to do. Well, you've kind of passed the phase, and, and I think many people can attest to this. The whole novelty of the DVD player is kind of worn off. <laughs> My kids are so snobby. And you just, no, we don't want to watch that. And, you know, back in the day, it was, what, we can watch something in a car? <laughs> <laughs> the traveling, the kids, that's what I think all our listeners can really think, wow, that's an aneurysm waiting to happen right there. It's just, <laughs> it's a lot of work. Yeah, it's not waiting to happen. I think it happened to me, but yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a lot of work. We got to talk about this. We got to say what the favorite item was at Thanksgiving on my end. I have a sister-in-law who's a great cook, and she made some homemade, like, fresh stuffing with, like, real bread. Not for the gluten intolerant. But, <laughs> wow, when it's real and it's made fresh, big difference than that dehydrated uh, stuff out of the box. You're just addicted to gluten. That's all it was. I am extremely tolerant of gluten. <laughs> for me, it's the turkey. In fact, we, at the last second, went to some... Uh, Family, we won't name names at the last second, and, we, and the turkey was okay. But anyway, <laughs> I cooked a turkey just for the turkey sandwiches. That's yeah, all it's yeah. for, for the sandwiches. You can't use it for anything else. That's my highlight. That and a bunch of pies and ice cream, and that makes me happy. Pie, ice cream, turkey sandwich, I'm a happy boy. 
just disgustingly good. <laughs> That's right. Good use of words. All right, right. Verbal packaging. <laughs> it's time to eat something green. So we need to do that for a few days and yeah. get back on the horse to real life. We're here to talk about persuasion with you guys. And we, we had a little promotion last time that uh, we did an episode. And we want to continue that one. As you know, we are trying to get off the social media ground here. And it's uh, pretty clunky because we kind of don't know what we're doing. On social mm-hmm. media, <laughs> we're okay at it, but uh, we've got Facebook. Uh, you can go on to your Facebook profile, search into Maximize Your Influence, or on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is Influence Max. So we'll release new articles and links to the show, funny stuff that we see out there, just good stuff to kind of keep in touch and a great way to be notified when a new show has been released if you're not automatically subscribed to the show through your iTunes feed or something like that. So we want to continue to get this out there, and we're offering the promotion that if you can retweet or follow us on Twitter, so if you follow us and you retweet something that we put out there, just email us at MaximizeYourInfluence at gmail.com and let us know you did it. We'll be able to see it and check it on our end. We're going to give you a free year subscription to University of Persuasion. Same thing goes for Facebook. You just need to subscribe to our page, like it, share a post, something like that on Facebook. Let us know at MaximizeYourInfluence at gmail.com, a free year to University of Persuasion. That's the uh, that's the promo that we're doing right now so that we can continue our never-ending quest to be legit. And let me add to that plug there. This is a 52-week program where every week you have audios and videos and some worksheets that you can work through to really apply the skills. You can do it as fast or as slow as you want. And it's something that will really enhance your persuasion, influence, self-persuasion, mindset, negotiation, presentation skills are all included in there. And again, it's less than the cost of a Honda Civics because it's free. I mean, you can't get better than that. Yep. There's nothing untrue about what you say there. It is less. <laughs> You're verifying it for me. There we go. Social validation. Thank that's you right. so much. Yeah, that's right. That's, how's that for a strong promo? There we go. <laughs> we've, we've never been really shameless on our promos. We like to just tell you about what we're doing periodically and... We think you'll like it. You keep tuning into the show. You have good feedback about what we're saying, so we're going to keep steaming ahead here. That's the promo, and Kurt has a timely article that he wants to talk about, but we all know what he wants to do before he talks about it. He wants to begrudgingly drag his finger over to the Urkel button and reluctantly press it, feeling bitter all the while. (laughs) Here it is, the bitter Urkel. (laughs) Can we get one of those? Can we get a real live bitter Urkel? <laughs> well, it all sounds bitter to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is all bitter to you. But yeah, he's he's on commercials and stuff now. He's making a comeback. He's making a comeback. We'll have to contact him and have him do a bitter Urkel for us. Yeah, or at least get him on the show as a guest. Hey, we'll have to try that one out. That'd be awesome. Make him famous. All right, today's article is from your favorite Journal of Personality and Social Psychology about how gratitude leads to a happier life. I mean, we just had the holidays here in the United States about gratitude, being thankful, which is always a good thing. We always hear gratitude's an attitude. Some people say gratitude's an experience. I mean, there's a lot of definitions here. But they were trying to figure out, okay, does gratitude improve mood? Does it improve health? So Dr. Robert Evans, he's out of University of California, Davis, did the study to try to figure it out. All right, okay, does this help? Does it hurt? I mean, some people are really grateful, some people aren't. And so he wanted to look at what it did to the brains, to our attitudes. And he wanted to figure out if fostering gratitude can broaden our thinking and just change our health and our mindset in positive ways. So it's pretty interesting what he did. 
He divided up 200 people into three groups that had to keep 10 weekly diaries focusing on either gratitude or blessings that they felt, or they could focus on hassles and annoyances, or they could focus on neutral events. So those are the three groups. And the gratitude group, they just wanted five things in your life that you're grateful or thankful for. So at the end of 10 weeks, they looked at people and they were feeling more positive about their lives. They were more optimistic about the upcoming weeks. They had fewer physical symptoms or ailments, I guess we could call them. And they found that it was almost like exercising a lot as far as what it did to the body. It was really interesting what it showed. So then they like, okay, maybe that's not enough, only once a week for 10 weeks. And so they did a second study where they increased the times where they'd write down in their gratitude journals things that are happening. And that had a bigger impact on what they were doing as far as emotionally and psychologically. And it was just interesting that how gratitude can have a big impact on our lives psychologically. And I'm going to add one too to where when people sense you're optimistic and you're grateful for things, they're more willing to do things for you. You're easier to like People are easier to influence when they sense that you're grateful for things that they've done or you're more optimistic. So there's a lot of things happening here. It was interesting that he focused on this. It's timely because this is time of year. But hey, if you can sit down five, ten minutes a day and write things that you're grateful for, it will really impact you psychologically and physically. That's definitely true. We forget to do it. We get involved in all the busy hustle and bustle, all the the day-to-day stuff. So if you can dwell on those kinds of things, definitely makes a big difference in your attitude. I think as we get older too, it's more important because I think we get more pessimistic and negative <laughs> yeah. and, and always things are going wrong and we've been, and the universe has beat us up pretty good, <laughs> but we have to kind of back up sometimes and say, okay, no, there's a long list of things we can be grateful for and it just changes mindset and people want to be around you because people don't want to be around negative, pessimistic, ungrateful people. It can really hurt the influence process. It hurt your health. It hurts your mindset. So, yeah, be grateful. It's uh, certainly good on all facets of life. So let's continue here along with the show, Kurt. We wanted to get a little bit more into mood, humor, and how you come across as a person to other people that undoubtedly helps you develop rapport helps people like you a lot more. And and your article is timely for the holiday. It's timely for what we're talking about here. This is a key factor in persuasion because the use of humor, being in a good mood, being positive, the research is just overwhelming in favor of doing those things. So it's something that people might consider to be a little fluffy, right? <laughs> I was listening to a sports radio show this morning, and they were making fun of a televangelist who tells people to feel better. And if you do that, you'll feel better. And they were joking. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, like, are oh, you paying for this? <laughs> kind of along what you are saying earlier is, yeah, we get a little pessimistic the older we get. And so we hear something like this of good mental attitude, you know, have a, a great bright personality, and you just kind of get grumpy about it, which is all the more reason to pay attention, correct? Absolutely. And humor is a fascinating one. I spent a lot of time looking, okay, is there a correlation between humor and persuasion and influence? And it's a resounding yes, absolutely, to where if you get someone to smile, if you get someone to laugh, if you get someone to just get in a better mood, they're easier to influence. And humor is a powerful tool in creating rapport. Humor makes the persuader seem friendly and accepting. It gains attention. It does so many great things. And studies show it also increases trust. 
So there's something about humor and getting people to smile and laugh that makes a big difference. And here's a fun thing about humor, too. It can distract your audience from any negative arguments, what you're doing. Because when they laugh with you, they're accepting what you're saying. They're laughing. They're smiling. Now, And we have to be careful and we have to back up here. When you use humor, your audience, your prospects, either going to laugh with you or feel sorry for you. <laughs> there's no middle ground here. You have to be very careful with the humor that you use and make sure that it works. Because we've all heard a joke before. And we were we laughed and we thought it was great and we told somebody and they didn't even smile because there's a delivery process here. There's something that you need to think about with humor. But humor makes a big difference because when they laugh, they connect with you. They like you more. They listen to your message more. There's an emotional connection. There's more rapport. It's critical, though, that you use the right type of humor, that there's a reason for the humor, that it's adapted to your audience. But if you can get someone to laugh, to smile, there's an instant connection, there's more rapport, and they're easier to influence because it changes their mood. And everyone wants to laugh. We want to laugh. We want to smile. We want to feel good. And like we talked about before, life beats us up. We become very negative and pessimistic. Just a good smile, a good laugh is very, very refreshing. I had a business partner once, and we were working on a deal with an attorney. This attorney was the most dry, humorless man you've ever met. Now, the creepy thing about it is that his office was full of uh, teddy bears. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I told you. That's just wrong on so many levels. <laughs> I know, I know. The guy would never Don't laugh if there's like... all these teddy bears. I mean. Uh, yeah, that's like instant loss of credibility for me. But go ahead. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, is this guy a serial killer? What's his deal, right? I would joke with my partner, I'm going to make the guy smile. I'm going to do it. And it, it became this quest for me. I think it took me five or six meetings, and finally I got him to do it. It lasted for maybe two or three seconds, but it was a real, genuine, you know, smiling from the eyes type smile. And the reason I bring that up is that everybody has some kind of a sense of humor deep down, but they don't all just roll on the floor hee-hawing about every joke that you say. And if it doesn't look like the audience is rolling on the floor, it doesn't mean you're not funny or that you should give up. People react to humor uh, differently, don't they? They do, and as long as they're smiling on the inside or laughing on the inside or just a pause to think about it, some people will give you nothing. But as long as it's happening on the inside, you've attempted it, and it, and it's good humor, it does matter. Again, like you said, that one person, that one lawyer, it's much more difficult for one person to get them to laugh and smile than an audience because an audience can be very contagious. That's true. I was on a plane the other day, and I had rented a movie on my iPad. It was a pretty funny movie, but I wasn't laughing out loud. I would smile periodically, but I was thinking, oh, yeah, that was funny. But nobody else is doing it. I don't want to be the social oddball, right? And that's why comedy clubs, everybody comes in, and it's a small space. You're all gathered together facing the same way. It's just completely contagious. People are laughing at stuff that a lot of times is just not that funny. So we need to be ready to to have the right expectation on on humor, Probably one of the best ways to use it is is through a story because it pulls people in, right? I mean, it's when they're more involved, everything all of a sudden becomes more humorous, doesn't it? Yeah, when they're more involved and they're listening, absolutely. And if you want to be a great persuader or an influential person, take an improv training, learning to think on your feet, learning to be creative, learning to use humor. And I also want to throw out there, too, even if you don't feel like you're a funny person, you can borrow humor, that's okay if you want to borrow a comic and put it into your PowerPoint presentation or a YouTube video. There's plenty of things on the net 
that are pretty much guaranteed to make most people laugh. As long as there's a reason for you to show it, as long as it's not offensive, there are things that you can use right now to add a little humor, a little smile to your presentation, to what you're doing, because people are hungry for it. They want it, because life is rough at times. And just a little smile, a little quick laugh can be very beneficial, not only in your relationship and rapport, but opening them up for influence. And, and like you said, there has to be a reason if you can tie it into a particular point that you're making or something like that. You can't just, well, I don't. I guess you couldn't. Sometimes this might work, but you can't just walk into the office and throw your phone in front of them and say, hey, here's a funny cat video on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> right? I was just thinking about those cat videos. Stay away from the cat videos. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's too many of them. Uh, half the people out there hate cats. Maybe you can find a reason to show. I mean, there's some funny ones out there. I don't know why cats became the most popular thing on YouTube. But, yeah, as long as it's relevant and it's fun and it's interesting, you've tested it out, make sure it's not offensive. It's surprising what's offensive out there and what's not. Just make sure it's not something that's going to upset your audience. And you can borrow it, and it just does miracles to your audience. I'd make sure you probably do the same thing when you do a presentation. I've got to get them laughing the first couple minutes. I've got to have that connection. A, it gives me confidence as a presenter to get a little laugh, but it also opens them up, increases that connection, and makes them easier to influence. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think the most powerful form of humor, because it accomplishes so many different things on the level of rapport, getting somebody to open up, is self-deprecating humor, mm-hmm. right? If you can laugh at yourself, then you're probably not going to offend a lot of people because you're making fun of yourself, you're that much more relatable. It makes people feel so much more human. It makes them feel like you're going to be honest with them because, you know, you're beating up on yourself here. Why would you not tell the truth about other things? That is so important to do. And it's so easy, especially in a presentation. I know when I'm getting introduced, oh, here's Kurt Mortensen. He's published this and this language and done this and done that. Right? It's like, all right, who's this guy? A little self-deprecating humor there. Hey, I could make fun of myself. You know, I pay them to say that or whatever it was or whatever it is. There's just something that has that connection because you want the credibility with that introduction. But then again, you're putting yourself way above the audience. If you can just do a little self-deprecating humor, people love it. And it's also interesting, too, that I've noticed that when I make major mistakes like falling off a stage or having my zipper down or (laughs) tripping – Right, Doing these little things, the audience actually likes you more when you handle it the right way because you're human, you make mistakes, and they really appreciate that. That's right. So if there's something that you've done in your life or something stupid you said to your spouse or some mistake you made at work, and it's remotely relevant, I suggest working it into the presentation somehow because, wow, it's just so effective at lowering the the walls. And I've had presentations before. In fact, back in the day, Myself and, and an individual you know, Kurt, that used to work with us, we got the assignment to go critique a speaker at a – this was a, a network marketing event. This particular network marketing company was really hot. Back in about 2004, I believe this was. So we went to this thing, and this guy, we were just so bothered by his presentation. We pow out after the fact, and we just said, you know what? He's too perfect. Everything is just too peachy. He's never made a mistake in his life. Look at him. He's got perfect hair, perfect suit. Look at that car he drives. And, you know, there's something to be said for that kind of image that you project. I think it does do something. But somebody like that really has to use a little bit of self-deprecating humor 
or it's going to have the opposite effect. People are going to are going to hate them. I think this is a big problem too. It really is hard for women on this. If you have like a very attractive woman, I think there are studies, Kurt, that show this that the women in the audience are kind of hard on them, aren't they? Yeah, we've seen that too. Even in negotiations with between two women, and one has a bigger wedding ring than the other. <laughs> That could cause conflict. If you're looking too good, that could cause conflict. It's a subconscious thing. But yeah, put yourself out there. I know when I teach persuasive presentations, I say, will you make a mistake? And the answer is yes. And I list all the mistakes that I've ever made. And it helps them realize, okay, it's okay. But then again, the audience is going to like you more. It's real. It's more human. When you have that perfect, polished presentation, sometimes it repels your audience. I've even noticed a lot of times when I'm out persuading people to do things, sometimes my first and second presentations which aren't very good, which aren't very perfect, actually sell a little better than sometimes the 100th one because the 100th one, I'm on cruise control, everything's a little too perfect. Sometimes when you just add a little humor, self-deprecating humor, make a few mistakes, people do like you more. Well, we've seen that in sales when we train organizations and people, whether it's phone sales or in person. I think almost every sales manager would concede to you that there is such thing as beginner's luck, Mm. right? Where somebody comes in, they just follow the script, they kind of do their thing, and they pop a few sales. And then they start thinking they know everything after that. And really, it was the fact that they were relatable, and the person on the other end didn't feel like they were getting calm. They were dealing with a real person who maybe they were, I don't want to say insecure, but they just tell that, hey, you don't know everything, and that's okay. It's perfectly fine. Yeah, I've seen that too. Even when people said, hey, I'm new at this, bear with me. Thank you for your patience. Ooh, I'm not sure. And there's just something, hey, you're real. It's not the data dump. It's not super polished person. It's just someone that's real there to help them out and will do anything to, to help them. And people like that. And it, there's a great connection there. Yeah, kind of veering off from self-deprecating humor into the Columbo effect, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Columbo's pretty effective at that. So as we talk about humor and mood and personality, anything else you want to add? Well, the only thing we can add there, too, that if you're not feeling funny, (laughs) at least, at least let's have a smile, right? Let's have a smile. It's very contagious. It's very disarming. Depends on the culture. Depends on the country. But your smile shows that you're pleased to be where you are. You're happy. Again, it's contagious. In retail, it increases sales by 20%. In customer service, when people have a mirror and they're smiling into it, it increases the evaluations on the other end, even though they can't see them. Hey, you have one, use it. It doesn't cost you anything. At least getting someone to smile, whether it be your own smile or humor or your positive mood or being grateful for something or self-esteem, whatever it is that you use, it's critical as a persuader to think about their mood, to think about getting them to smile, to get them to laugh, to create that rapport, because when they like you, it opens the doors to influence. Awesome. Good points, Kurt. Thanks. And why don't we cue up the Blinja? Ooh, Blinja. Blinja, go. Don't, don't, don't. You know, if somebody just walks in off the street and starts listening to our show, they're going to have a hard time figuring out. (laughs) I guess we better define a Blinja is a combination between a blunder and a ninja. Blinja. Blinja. And we like to do this every year, and I know that the listeners like it or hate it because it's Black Friday, Cyber Monday today. Mm. I woke up to 100 emails of deal of the century, it's Cyber Monday, and I have less tolerance for this than most people just because this is what I, I do for a living. But Kurt and I were debating off the air here 
what is Black Friday becoming something where people are developing deal tolerance, where they're actually hurting themselves the rest of the year? Are they really making up for it because everybody's waiting around for these perceived really great deals? Do people ever want to buy because now they're just becoming, they're coming to expect it? That's the debate here. That's what we're here to decide about whether Black Friday is a ninja or a blinja. What say you, sir? <laughs> well, let's take the ninja side. I agree. It is a blinja. The ninja side is they do sell a lot. They get people going nuts. There's fights in stores, people stealing things out of people's carts, <laughs> people passing out, standing in lines, arguments, fist fights. So, I mean, they create this urgency. Of course, we've called that, that psychological reaction, that scarcity. It's very good. Only today. It's been interesting how they've been keep moving it up to where now it's Thursday evening now, which I like. I don't like getting up early. <laughs> so their urgency and getting people going nuts and expecting great deals. I mean, they've developed a culture there that's just amazing. For my, our international listeners, this after Thanksgiving, that's where everyone goes shopping for Christmas. There's great deals. And then on Monday, there's the Cyber Monday deals. And so that's the ninja part. The blinja part is that when you create an expectation – of uh, these great deals. If they need something in November, they're going to wait till the very end of November because they know they're going to get a better deal. If there's something online, they know you're going to send out an email that you're going to offer it at a better discount. They're going to hold off. And when somebody holds off, they could be buying it from somebody else. They could buy it from another company. And so we have to be careful there. When people put things off, A, you're going to lose them. But B, you could be really shooting yourself in the foot because they're always going to be expecting a deal. And I think the best example away from these online deals or these store deals is what's happening in the car industry. We all know that when you look at the sticker price on a car, you're like, whatever, not paying it. They're just saying that. That's just a suggestion. We're all going to be expecting a rebate or a special deal or a discount or some type of incentive. I don't think there's anybody out there, at least that I've met recently, that would go into a dealership and pay the sticker price because that is mind-numbing. And they've had to create so many deals and events that people know that there's no way they're supposed to be paying that. Well, and then you have seen the emergence of these places like CarMax or that's becoming more and more of a thing where what is a deal, right? I mean, if the number on the sticker is so arbitrary – what really is a deal? And with everything becoming so much more transparent, I don't wonder how much longer they're going to get away with this kind of a thing. Oh, the trend is away from that. I agree with some of the car dealerships and things. I think, no, this is the price. This is the adjustment. This is what we're doing. And I think a good example, there's a suit store. There's one sale a year. That's it. <laughs> there's no other specials. We offer great deals year-round. That might be a way to kind of hit it in the middle, I guess. Some stores say, no, we don't have sales. This is what we're doing. This is the value. Some stores, like furniture stores we always make fun of, are always a special, always have to have this special thing going on to get people in the stores. So it messes with our psyches, I think. And I think it really ruins us in the long run because once you expect a deal and you adjust those expectations, no one's ever going to pay the price on there. There's going to be a deal. There's going to be a special. There's going to be a sale. There's going to be this special deal that's going on that we just might wait and when people wait you know a they're not going to buy it or if they do buy it, it's probably not going to be from the person that introduced them the first time it's true it's true you look at a great company like apple uh, when was the last time you ever saw 10 percent off of an apple product i've never yeah. seen it they, they don't do that that's not not the game that they play so 
that's probably where everything's headed, where you're just going to have to give good deals all the time. And that just puts more pressure on businesses to produce products more cheaply to bump their margins up. And that's what uh, open communication technology and, and a lot of diversity does. It does tend to make things a little bit cheaper for the consumer. So let's see, you know, in 10 years what Black Friday looks like. Be interesting to know. Mental note, let's take a look at that in 10 years. I do like that. But let me add one thing I think is really important is that as a persuader, as an influencer, as an entrepreneur, as a store owner, whatever it is that you do, don't fight on price. I mean, the only reason you'd fight on price is that if you don't have any influence skills. Build the value, like Apple. That was a great example. Here's the value. This is what we offer. We're not going to sell it. Why would we sell it? It's a great deal as it is. You're going to love it. Don't fight on price. Only rookies fight on price or people who don't know how to persuade an influence because that's easy. They're the cheapest. But everyone knows in the back of their brain, you get what you pay for. Speaking of 10 years, I tweeted this out on the Maximize Your Influence uh, account. This has to be mentioned because this was awesome because I really think that the prospect meant it. I was talking to a prospect about buying some investment real estate, and he's going to be going off to medical school soon. I get the impression that he comes from a bunch of money because he has a bunch of money to invest, and he's going to medical school, right? So maybe he's just rich and bored. I don't know. But we were pretty close to him making some decisions, and I didn't lock the deal down, and I get a blunder for that. And I'm not kidding you. He emailed me, and he said, yeah, the more I look at this, the more I think it's just probably not the right time. Ready, Kurt? Mm-hmm. I'll follow up with you in 10 years or so when I'm done with <laughs> medical school. <laughs> okay, yeah. I'll be uh, waiting by the phone. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've said, hey, I'll check with you in six months. I've, I've had people say that to me, and that's totally feasible. But 10 years. <laughs> oh, thanks, buddy. I appreciate your consideration. <laughs> yeah. Talk about putting people off. Usually I'll call you later. is hard enough. But you're like 10 years. Yeah, that's one yeah, of those well, things where, you know, just Can you put that in your it. Google Calendar? Is it go 10 years from now? <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let me put that in my calendar 10 years from now. Thank yeah, I mean, not to sound dark, but there's a chance that one of us might not even be alive in 10 years. I mean, <laughs> or in the business, right? Or it's in like, the I mean, business. I mean, it was crazy. <laughs> so that actually happened. I stared at my phone. I laughed. I paced around. I just didn't know. I, I had to tell people. This guy just told me 10 years. And so, yeah, I tweeted it out to our listeners. I figured they'd be the ones to understand. <laughs> <laughs> 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to say. You're appreciating it. There's, what can you say other than just keep talking about it? Because it's a total yeah, mind blow. It's just like, wow, okay. I don't, I'm thinking about a rebuttal or a comeback for them. I, I don't even think it's even worth All right. Call me in 10 years. Here's my number. It might even be a different number, but you can try to get a hold of me. <laughs> I know. That's all I said. I said, great. Talk to you in 10 years. That's all I could think of to say. <laughs> there are times where you just get stuff from your prospects like, okay, that's Hall of Famer. I don't even know what to say about yeah, that. Yeah, I think that's a definite Hall of Famer right there. Yeah, <laughs> those words came out of his mouth. So, <laughs> all right, everybody. We appreciate you listening. Thanks for hanging on with us while we ate a bunch of turkey and uh, took the week off. As always, subscribe to the show. Go to iTunes and punch in Maximize Your Influence there. You'll see the show come up. The shows will automatically download to your Apple device. This is just terrible, but I think you do the same thing on your Droid and all that stuff. I don't know how it works, but go however you subscribe to podcasts. We're on there, too. We're on Stitcher. We're on TuneIn. And uh, you can always listen right off of the website at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. 
So we will catch you next week on another episode of Maximize Your Influence. Have a good one. Take care and see you next week. 